0: In America, politics and business are two separate worlds. Politicians make laws. CEOs make profits. But now, that's all changing.
1: And I really wonder here on Alex Garrett Podcast Network if it's changing for the better or the worse. I mean, look, I got this press release that says, Will the new alliance between governments and corporations be for better or for worse and i stopped in my tracks because one of the themes of this podcast is to be uh uh, talking about accountability right and i think holding our government accountable is something very important to us taxpayers and kevin Stockland, you are the man behind the documentary shadow state on epic tv thanks for joining me on this podcast Thank you very much for having me. So I won you on a little bit after the speakers race, which who knew that would take fifteen rounds, right? But it did. I wanted you to have it once that was decided because can we see first of all, thanks for joining me tonight. Can we see a clearer path to this becoming a problem with Speaker McCarthy? Like will will, will any of what we saw last week change this idea that corporations are in bed with the government?
0: You know, it's it's very interesting one of the things that republicans seem to want to do is to uh investigate whether this whole esg movement uh, violates u.s laws antitrust laws in particular uh, because corporations are forbidden from colluding with one another to take down another industry or restrain trade so it's interesting now that the republicans have sorted out the mccarthy issue Uh, They seem to indicate that they are going to move on this and start doing some investigations, uh, maybe bring charges. Um, We'll see what happens there.
1: All right. Shadow State, does this podcast have a risk of being canceled if the wrong people hear it? Because I feel like Shadow State is a very, uh, you know, sort of taboo thing to say, but it might be accurate in this case, right? Yeah, I mean, the,
0: the interesting thing to me, one of the most fascinating themes that came out of the documentary is the government uh, using these companies to do things that it can't legally do. And so it's where the government is blocked by the Constitution for, for, uh, from, for example, um, uh, censoring Americans. Um, they are able to use Twitter to do it. And that's right now one of the most glaring examples of this public-private collaboration and the risks of it to Americans.
1: Well, I want to I wanna get people a little caught up here. So basically, this documentary, The Shadow State, digs deep to find the answers, featuring a number of interviews with insiders, corporate leaders, and industry analysts. Now, what the ESG is, if I'm not mistaken, is the environmental, social, and governance. And how is this alliance uh, truly harmful to Americans?
0: It's an umbrella term for this ideology, which, as you say, mentions, uh, you know, not only climate change, but also racial and social justice. And then they sometimes throw in gun control and even abortion rights. Um, The concern that Americans should have is that uh, the progressive view is that these issues are so dire that they should not let the Constitution or the um, American civil rights get in the way of getting these policies done. Our rights to uh, that forbid unreasonable search and seizure by the government are being circumvented. So they're getting credit card companies to, to track, for example, firearms purchases. Twitter, that's been used to, to censor Americans and social media companies as well. So a lot of this is happening behind the scenes. It's happening at you know meetings at the World Economic Forum. It's happening in corporate boards rooms, and uh, Americans don't get a say in it. You know, our Constitution says we have the right to elect representatives to Congress and state legislatures who will make laws and represent our points of view. None of these corporate CEOs were elected by anyone, and yet they are able to um, create policy, energy policy, social justice policy, and things like this through the ESG movement.
1: For the record, I'm very pro-privatization and all that, but this is sort of scaring me that the private corporations that we come to talk about and, and maybe drive the capitalism has become public in this regard, right?
0: Yes, the line between private and public has been blurred. And uh, the corporations have been, through this movement, gotten into to lockstep and alignment with government goals across the board. And what we investigate in the documentary is how this actually has come about, how this has happened.
1: And to be clear, the social part is like the CRT movement, right? Just just so I get that out of the way?
0: It's that. It's DEI training
1: that people are now
0: forced to undergo in corporations, all of that stuff.
1: And so you're saying this is sort of like what we saw with Starbucks when they did that mandatory shutdown of a day and, and whatnot.
0: Sure. And you can see other signs. I mean, it's why Disney, for example, decided to fight a parent's rights law in Florida. Uh, it's why Delta... And uh, Coca-Cola and Major League Baseball decided to to fight uh, voter ID laws in Georgia. None of this has to do with their core business. Uh, But yet they're all taking these uh, progressive ideological positions to conform to the ESG ideology.
1: Now, are there Republicans that actually pay into the wokeism? Did did they accept donations from these corporations that really have gone woke? At the state
0: level, they certainly are. Um, we're waiting to see if at the federal level, through Congress, there's going to be any action. Um, but they, they haven't done a ton to speak out against this so far.
1: I would ask about the Democrats, but that feels like a given. But I, I got to ask you this, because this industry expected to grow from $55 trillion to $100 trillion by 2025. Kevin, we just saw a $1.7 trillion uh, spending bill, omnibus bill passed. Is this going into the ESG movement? it's supporting it on the government side. So one thing that we need to understand
0: about the ESG industry, this is other people's money. So where does this, all these trillions come from? This is your retirement money. This is pension money. Uh, This is anything that you put into a 401k. Anything that goes into, for example, an index fund will be managed by one of three very large asset managers, BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street. They pretty much manage virtually all of the index funds. So that money that they now manage, uh, just between those three firms, it's nearly $20 trillion, um, that they turn around, they buy shares in all of the companies in the S&P 500. They are now the largest shareholders in 90% of the S&P 500 companies. And this gives them tremendous leverage to basically influence these companies in the direction that they want. And in addition, you've got uh, California and New York state pension funds, so they're taking you know, retirement money from firemen and teachers and, and cops, and, and and leveraging that to pursue these political goals, and so that's really where this industry is coming from. It's not an industry that makes anything like cars or iPhones. They are just basically able to use other people's money to arm twist corporations into getting on on board with this with this movement.
1: What you're also telling me is that not only is our tax dollars, because of this alliance, but now you're at you're saying our contributions to 401k is going to these causes as well, right? If they're taking our investments into our 401k and putting it out into these other uh, causes, if you will.
0: So in other words, when you buy into, uh, let's say, an index fund, um, and that fund turns around and buys shares in Coca-Cola and Disney and Apple and all the companies that they buy, you don't get to vote those shares. The fund gets to vote those shares. And so it gives them tremendous power in terms of their voting rights to make decisions about who's going to be on the board of these corporations, what policies they're going to follow, etc. So, so that's – and it's not just those three asset managers. The, the entire asset management, management industry, quite a few of them are, are doing the same thing, as well as banks. JP Morgan, Citibank, their asset managers as well, You know, they've all gotten into lockstep with this. And as one of the people in the documentary says – if you control banking and finance and the money, you can basically dictate turns to any industry in our entire economy.
1: Do Americans know that we're letting this, all our money go to these different things, like the power, if you will?
0: I don't think they do, and it's why I wanted to make this documentary, because so much of this is happening behind the scenes. It's, it's a very complicated and arcane industry, and most people don't know about it. They don't know, uh, you know the influence that, that these institutions have. And so I wanted to explain to people in very straightforward terms how it works, how they are able to accumulate all this power and, and how they're using it, um, because Americans should have a voice in our energy policy, whether or not we're going to have fossil fuels or, or, or what's going on in our farming industry or, or what we believe as, as people, how we resolve these issues of racism and social justice. We should have a voice in that. You know, we should be able to vote. And that our voices are being taken away because these decisions are being made in Davos, Switzerland, at the WEF or in corporate boardrooms, um, you know, very much behind the scenes.
1: I think the people, the average person supporting BLM, let's start there, uh, wanted to change things for the better. But they didn't realize that all these corporations were just donating to people that were buying mansions. I mean, we have to talk about that for a minute yeah exactly. Um,
0: you know it's uh, the some of the participants here are actually acting out of the best of intentions, and I give them a lot of credit. you know they really want to pursue worthy goals. Um, but the question that nobody is actually asking themselves who supports this movement is what about all the corruption that can come out of this? you know if if we don't have um, if we don't have uh, oversight of what's going on, if people don't have a voice in it, if they don't get to see what's going on and be a part of it, then this can easily turn into kind of a very uh, corrupt self-serving process, uh, which it seems to be doing. One of the people that is in the documentary is a former uh, senior investment officer at BlackRock. Who says there's no evidence that he could ever see that any of this ESG stuff actually helped the environment in any way? And so this was one of the questions as well is okay, even if, you know, for all the pain and suffering and inflation and, you know, escalation of oil prices, et cetera, are we doing any good? Are we doing any good for the world? And the answer seems to be no, we're not.
1: You know, a lot of these corporations also do good in the community, do they not? I mean, I think they open up doors for people that may not be able to go to college, and they do, let's just say that, they do good for the community. That's why I think you and I can agree that maybe they were guilt-tripped into donating to some of these causes, because they didn't know any better, they just wanted to help. Uh, That that often
0: seems to be the case,
1: and, um, you know, I, I don't think a lot of these people
0: are evil, I don't think they have evil intentions, but again, is this the best way to achieve these goals, to, to co-opt corporations and get them behind an ideology and, and arm twist them you know, through, through uh, using other people's money? Is this really the best way to achieve these goals, or is it better for us to sit down and have a national dialogue and elect people and get, get laws passed the way that we were supposed to have done according to our constitution?
1: Now, I wanted to just clear this up. Are you an employee of Epo- of the Epo- Epic Times, or did they hire you to do this documentary, or how did that corporate partnership work?
0: Yeah, no, I am a staff reporter for them now, and uh, so I, I write quite a bit on this subject um, as well uh, as the documentary. So I've, I've been writing um, the articles covering all angles of the, the ESG movement for the better part of a year.
1: Let me start with the bill back better. Was there ESG right in that bill that did not get passed thanks to Joe Manchin?
0: Yeah. I mean, what the federal government is doing, they can't get any of this passed. So nothing uh, on the Democratic side uh, in terms of laws is happening. The Green New Deal was sunk. Um, They did get, yes, some money, some subsidies for renewables and for EVs passed. Uh, through the latest version of Build Back Better, the $1.7 trillion bill you mentioned. But what they're really doing is doing this, again, behind the scenes through agencies. So, for example, the Securities Exchange Commission has now mandated that every company listed in the United States must have audited reports of all of their CO2 emissions, not only for their own company, but for all their suppliers and all their customers. So that means if I'm Nestle, I have hundreds of thousands of farmers that supply me with food. Well, all these farmers now have to go and produce their own ESG reports and their own carbon emissions reports. So that's what the government is doing to really support this whole business. But as far as pushback, uh, obviously, that's not happening at the federal level, but it is very much happening on the state level. Texas, uh, Florida, uh, West Virginia, Missouri, a lot of these states are now passing laws to, to uh, prevent their pension money from being used for political purposes. They're boycotting certain asset managers um, and state attorney generals are, are bringing cases. Uh, one was just brought against uh, by Louisiana and Missouri attorney generals against the Department of Justice for colluding with social media companies to censor Americans and, and violating their First Amendment rights. So we are seeing pushback, particularly in the last year. This issue is really heating up um, at the at the state level, um, and we'll see if the Congress does anything now, if, if a House does anything at the federal level. But I think what we are seeing is this country dividing itself in a lot of ways uh, between red and blue states, and you know, some of these red states are boycotting banks and asset managers that subscribe to this whole ESG ideology because they say, well, you're, you're punishing Fossil fuel companies in our state. You're you're eliminating jobs in places like West Virginia. Well, that's a coal mining state. Texas is an oil state. So um, these banks may not be able to serve these states anymore. And these banks include JP Morgan and Citibank and, and Bank of America and, you know, big Wall Street banks. And we may be one day seeing a world where we have blue state banks and red state banks, and maybe Disney becomes a blue state company, and we have other, you know, red state media companies. I don't know, but uh, unless people can can pull back from corporations being ideologically driven, that may be a future.
1: When we talk against the corporations, isn't that what Occupy Wall Street did? And Did they do it wrong? Yeah, I mean, isn't it fascinating
0: that the left is now uh, so much in favor of of corporate control and against pushing back against corporate oversight, so it really has turned 180 degrees. You know, one of the people that we interview on the doc uh, feels that these corporations were very wise in in the sense that they said, well, all right, we're going to start pursuing these progressive left-wing causes, and that's going to get— the whole Occupy Wall Street movement off our backs. Um, and the tech companies, in his view, said, well, we're going to do the same thing, and then the government's not going to push back against our monopoly positions if we censor the people that they want us to. So he feels that a lot of this was very cynical on the corporate side, um, which in a way is, is better than, uh, you know, corporations – kind of maliciously seeking to control us. I, I I hope the cynical view is right rather than, you know, the more insidious one.
1: Talking with Kevin Stockland. Kevin, thanks for joining me tonight, by the way. You are the producer and director of the Shadow State on Epic Times. You can find that online. We'll get to where you can find that out. But you just mentioned the blue state versus the red state. And isn't it funny? And I was sort of supporting all these corporations telling the blue states where to you know, shove it if you will by moving out of it, right? I mean, we saw that a lot over the last few years. Yeah,
0: um, and and that's absolutely happening. And uh, funny enough, the the latest—I um, don't know if anybody's a fan. I certainly am. But In-N-Out Burger just announced that they were setting up a corporate headquarters in uh, Tennessee, outside of Nashville, um, and getting out of California. So I mean, they're not the biggest, but they're they're just kind of the latest company to make the move. But media companies are doing it, tech companies. We saw Tesla move to Texas. Um, They they seem to be migrating out of these states. Illinois, uh, New York, and California seem to be bleeding uh, the most companies and jobs out of those states.
1: So you're telling me that Twitter, while they were blocking a lot of conservatives, were just feeding into all of this ESG uh, fundamentals, right? Uh,
0: What is increasingly coming out in news
1: uh, is evidence now that
0: Elon Musk has taken over the company and, and he's releasing all of these emails and files um, that the FBI and the DOJ appear to have worked very closely with Twitter in censoring uh, points of views that the government did not want publicized. And it, it ranges from the, the, the laptop that uh, Hunter Biden you know uh, lost that apparently had a lot of incriminating uh, evidence on it against um uh, him and his father, but also uh, things against vaccines, people who would say, well, we're, we're questioning how healthy vaccines are, um, and then also things on um, you know, social justice and even environmental policies. So, um, you know, the UN, uh, one of the UN senior officials made a statement in this documentary that um, we own the science and we want everybody to know it. And so, part of their their efforts is to use use social media companies, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, to really clamp down on on anyone who seems to be disagreeing.
1: You know, Epic TV was really an Epic Times was really a anti CCP publication for those who wanted more about what was going on the homeland. You know, of their homeland in China, they wanted that other viewpoint that you couldn't hear how did Epo- epic times end up becoming an american outlet as well i mean there's there's quite a transition from just covering the anti ccp right
0: yeah i mean they are now one of the uh, the largest publications in terms of circulation in the world uh, i believe they are in the top 5 currently so the, the growth has been phenomenal it's it's print it's online they they have television they're doing documentaries um, as well as publishing, et cetera. So it, the growth story has really just been phenomenal. You know, I, I wouldn't say I've been working there now for six months, um, you know, so I'm speaking as kind of impressions rather than an old school person. But I will say that um, a number of employees that I've worked with um have come from not only places like China, but uh, from communist countries as well uh, in Eastern Europe and, and South America. And so th- there is definitely a suspicion of, of uh, extreme you know, government uh, influence in people's lives. And while it's not necessarily um, you know, a politically ideological paper, it does tend to be conservative for this reason.
1: All right, we're seeing Twitter as an evi- as visible evidence of this ESG, are we not? So, and we can say the same about FTX. A lot of Congress people were getting donations from Bankman Freed. I mean, these are two visible examples. Any invisible ones that the that the average American may not know about?
0: It's a very interesting question. I mean, to me, one of one of the very interesting and, and more concerning aspects
1: of ESG is what's going
0: on with our food industry. And so if you want to control the food industry, you can get tremendous leverage over it with the large food producers. And that would be companies like you know Nestle and Danone, you know, General Mills and, and companies like this um, that, that have a number of farmers that, that supply them and that, and that depend on, on those supply networks to stay afloat. So to me, it's, that industry is being targeted because that is a high-emissions industry, apparently. The claim is that they were, uh, that, that agriculture is responsible for about a quarter of the CO2 emissions, um, and the worst offender is the beef industry, according to the ESG movement. So they really don't want Americans uh, eating cows. They don't want farmers uh, raising cattle. And um, so this effort is going on very much behind the scenes. And um, there's a lot of pressure being put by the administration, also the ESG movement, on uh, particularly small family farmers who don't have the means to push back. At the very same time, uh, one of the largest purchasers of farmland in the United States today is these international financial funds. And the the single largest purchaser is Bill Gates through a number of kind of uh, shell corporations that he set up.
1: That is fascinating to 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 talk about. Now, I've got to ask this because um, you talk about how the food and the, Ukraine, the, the Russian war was being blamed for why the shortages were happening. Am I right? Am I right? Yes,
0: that that's the narrative that this is all because of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. That's what's responsible for the inflation and the energy shortages and food prices and all of that.
1: But what you're telling us here is, no, there are just regulation after regulation, in addition to bad weather, that's been really affecting our crops.
0: I mean, I, Russia is certainly a symptom in driving up gas prices, but gas prices were escalating well before that invasion. Uh, they've been going up pretty much since, since Biden took office, um, and that affects everything. You know, fertilizer uh, is a derivative of natural gas. And so when we when we handicap the the fossil fuel industry, we're also handicapping the fertilizer industry that drives prices up for farmers. Also, they use tremendous amounts of diesel to power tractors and transport and everything else. So all of these, the the, the fossil fuel industry flows through the entire economy, but it, it is particularly harmful for the food industry when we see price escalation there.
1: I want to ask you this because it seems like, you know, Biden wanted to punish the gas companies for uh, raising oil prices. But it's like he didn't understand economics. And I thought it was kind of funny. Instead of doing what he could to lower the prices, he just blamed the gas companies and Russia.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's to me the most interesting dynamic of this movement is they create the crisis and then they – portray themselves as the solution to the crisis. And of course, the solution has to be to give them more power. So now that we've handicapped the the oil and gas industry through all the regulations and then the ESG efforts, um, now we have to blame them for escalating prices. And what's the solution? Price controls. So that's what they're talking about in Europe, right? Well, price controls always creates a shortage that we know throughout history. And so then the government has to step in again and solve that shortage. And how do we do that? Well, we can do that through, um, you know, restricting supply and we can do that through rationing. And so uh, Europe kind of dodged a bullet just now because it hasn't gotten that cold this winter. But that was the plan. If they were going to have a normal winter, they're going to be rationing energy. And the government was going to decide which corporations can get it, which households can get it, how much they can use, etc. So it's this constant rationing effect of create the crisis and then accumulate more power to solve the crisis. And that's one of the hallmarks of this movement.
1: And, of course, now we're stepping in militarily. We have Ukraine troops over here. But I got to ask you this because, um, and I feel like you could tell me that the U.S. is definitely influencing all these governmental, just the NATO alliance. We're still funding them more so, and that's what Trump tried to control when he was in office.
0: I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, the, the money that's now flowing into Ukraine is, you know, it just seems to be nonstop. And interestingly, uh, BlackRock uh, has now. Uh, signed some sort of alliance with uh, Ukraine that they're going to manage donations and money going in there, uh, which is also, I'm not sure why, the the, the largest asset manager in the world uh, and ESG, one of the ESG advocates is getting involved with this. Um, uh, I think more will be revealed in that space.
1: Did any of these insiders that you had have to be sort of Robotic voice or however you want to call it. Did you have to hide identities on this documentary or?
0: (laughs) No, um, I will say, you know, we didn't have that much trouble finding uh, critics of ESG. We had a much harder time finding advocates. So the people who, who, you know, support this industry, they didn't want to talk. They didn't want to make their case and uh, we were very fortunate to have one gentleman uh, from an a organization called As You So who does support ESG and, and I give him a lot of credit Uh, he basically uh, said what he believed and he stood up for what he believed. And he participated in this documentary and gave their point of view, but he was really the only one. We reached out to Al Gore's uh, fund. We reached out to all the asset managers who were doing this. We reached out to the world economic forum and all of the corporations virtually that are mentioned or criticized even
1: in the documentary. Give your point of view, make your case. Did you see any positives to this correlation? I mean, look, government can serve to help people and maybe through corporations they still can. Is is that where your feeling is?
0: Well, first of all, I would say we invited them to present their case of what they thought the positives were. And, uh, you know, the silence was deafening. But The the positives of this are that if you uh, if you are a subscriber, that uh, climate change is existential uh, to the planet and to our our way of life and uh, that you believe the same things about racial conflict and social conflict and that they are such uh, emergencies to resolve that we shouldn't let things like uh, America's legal system or our Constitution or our, our, our rights to elect representatives, that we shouldn't let those things get in the way of solving these problems, then you're a big fan of the ESG movement. Then you believe that the cause is more important than, you know, civil rights and, and our way of life here in the United States. So uh, from that perspective, a person could view this as, as a positive movement.
1: All right. I got to ask about the NGOs because this is a big term being tossed around that they're being, you know, supporting all the border crisis going on. Uh, What can you tell us? And is this another example of government and, and corporation alliance?
0: One of the ideological underpin, underpinnings of the ESG movement is that it's very much a one-world view. So they are against national sovereignty because, as I said, things like the U.S. legal system and our, our habits of how we do things here are, are an impediment to this movement. So this is very much a kind of a U.N.-driven, World Economic Forum-driven movement That doesn't believe that borders or national sovereignty is something of value. Uh, What is of value to the ESG movement are these themes of climate change and equity around the world, racial, economic, uh, gender, everything else. So from that sense, uh, this is not a movement that is necessarily a fan of borders or, or border control. But I don't see corporations necessarily playing a role in the border crisis. I think that that is pretty much something that's coming directly from the Biden administration.
1: Can the U.N. still serve a good—and I ask this because I actually lived across from the United Nations for, for the first 10 years of my life. So I got to see the the General Assembly up close. But now as I've gotten older, it's almost like, well— What good are they doing? I mean, is there any good the U.N. is doing through UNESCO and all that?
0: You know, what we're seeing uh, with the U.N. right now is just an absolute clash of ideology, and they have done a lot of good. And it's, it's a wonderful thing to get countries together and have discussions and settle things peacefully and have peacekeeping forces and all of this. But what we're seeing now is a clash of ideology. Uh, In the United States, there is a tradition of our Constitution, uh, and again, that people have a voice in their government, that they elect their representatives, and they have a voice in any major issues that affect them. And the Supreme Court has supported this. It's called the Major Questions Doctrine, and they basically have said that for major questions, that includes energy policy um, and racial policy as well, Congress has the voice because people get to elect their representatives. On the other side, you have the progressive movement, which is very much supported by the UN, the World Economic Forum, and this ESG movement. And the progressive movement says, you know, whatever the issue is, whether it's climate or racism or whatever, if you go back 100 years, it was, you know, uh, economic equality and Marxism. But that issue is so important that we cannot let civil rights stand in the way. And we will, you know, however we can get these policies enacted by hook or by crook, it's all fair game because the ideology is paramount. So that that right now is the ideology, the ideological clash that we're seeing between what we would consider our traditions, our political and social traditions in the United States and this movement that's now coming out of the U.N.
1: Were corporations feeding into the lockdown measurements by all these different governmental agencies and all these, I mean, someone funded those ideas, right? You know,
0: two things are very interesting to me about the the whole COVID crisis and the corporate role. So first of all, um, who profited from all of the lockdowns? So uh, Amazon, uh, you know, Walmart, all of these big corporations, um, they were functioning, they were open, and they were thriving. Who got crushed? It was all small business, small shops, right? They were the ones who had to close restaurants, etc. cetera. Um, so they were the ones that, that really got crushed by this. And one can say this is really an example of how corporations playing ball with government is profitable for them. And they are able to profit from this partnership, and they certainly did during the COVID crisis. The other interesting angle on it to me was when they uh, did the, the vaccine requirements, right? The government can't legally do this. It can't force you to go and take a vaccine. How did they do it? They got corporations to do it, right? So Biden is now trying to pass an executive order that said any corporation that had uh, you know, more than a certain number of employees had to force them to get vaccinated or fire them. And so, again, it's the the government using corporations to do what it can't legally do. Until finally the Supreme Court stepped in and said that you don't have the right to do that. There's nothing in the Constitution that gives the president the right to do this. And that's when it ended. But that was what put a stop to it finally. It it was, you know, not a change of heart or anything else.
1: Well, you know, what's interesting is that I think the 7,000 plus nurses – going on strike is a result of the government hospital alliance on forcing nurses to get said vaccine and actually forcing them to be fired if they didn't comply because, you know, the two years we cheered them on at 7 p.m. didn't matter anymore. How sickening was that, Kevin?
0: Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the thing that really puzzled me about it, uh, again, coming back to uh, goals so we all know, at this point, it's crystal clear. At one point, maybe we didn't know, but today it is, it is crystal clear that none of these vaccines prevent transmission. So what good can it possibly be to force people to go and take the vaccine if you're not preventing them from giving, it to the, to, from giving COVID to somebody else? So again, the question keeps coming up, uh, if we're not even achieving worthy goals, what is this all about, and to me, it's something that I continue to puzzle over, uh, even after making this documentary. Like, if we know that we're not actually achieving goals, uh, what is this effort all about?
1: Right. And one other thing that I will say is that one of our local restaurants up there in the Bronx, Coogan's, was closed, but there was Amazon standing proud. And you know what the Biden administration, or at least some in the in the pro-lockdown world, said? Well. The mom-and-pop shop couldn't catch up. That made me sick to hear when they were like, they're not adept at this. They couldn't catch up.
0: Yeah, I mean, small business just doesn't have the resources to be shut down for a year and still survive. I mean, that that's just not reality. Um, you know, corporations have resources, and they can spend all this money, and they can spend all this money on environmental audits that the SEC is now requiring. Family farms can't do that. You know, they don't have that kind of money. They're, they're living much closer to the margin. So all of these policies... are are really empowering very large corporations and eliminating competition. All
1: right. This has been a pretty serious conversation, but I got to ask Kevin Stockland, you're a documentarian and you work with Epic times. What is one thing that people who know your work may not know about you personally? Like, what is there one thing that, you know, the documentarian has not shared with his fan base, if you will?
0: (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Um, You know, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm a writer, uh, you know, of, of newspaper articles as well, but um, I've also done uh, some feature film work uh, in addition to documentaries. So, um, you know, I, my, my opinion, I express my opinion through uh, not only writing, but, you know, also visual media, um, feature films and documentaries, etc.
1: And your social media hasn't been take canceled yet because you're taking on the shadow stay, right? So where can we find you?
0: Um, you know, I don't use social media all that much, um, so I'm kind of old school about that. But anyone who wants to watch this documentary can go to theshadowstate dot com, and uh, and they can watch it there. And and anyone who's interested to read my work, uh, you can go to epictimes dot com and and find it there.
1: Well, I really appreciated our conversation tonight, and I'd love to have you back. Because yeah, I think the unionization aspect of this is going to change the ESG. Alliance, is it not?
0: Yeah, I mean, it, we are seeing a lot of pushback that is brand new and it's just been happening over the last year. And a lot of corporations are, are backpedaling and they're hedging and they're saying, hey, we never actually did that. Um, and so we're going to see, uh, I, I think we're going to see a, a lot of heat in this in this space in 2023.
1: Well, come back. We're just starting out in January. We'd love to get back in the next couple months and uh, see where we're at.
0: Great. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and, and thank you very much for having me on.
1: And my guest tonight was Kevin Stockland, one leg up with Alex Garrett. How can we have one leg up on on you know the for the American taxpayer that's watching their money kind of be diverted to causes they might not even want to know about or might not want to support? It's all very complicated. And I think Kevin, you did a great job of breaking it down tonight. And look forward to having you back. Thank you very much. That I'm Alex Garrett on the Alex Garrett Podcast Network.